It took three days, but I knew it was going to happen. I'm not surprised it happened. And I can't wait to see what's going to end up happening in the next few weeks. Because we know this is going to be a powder keg. We'll talk about it. We will be killing grandma if we carefully open the country up according to the left. Well, I got news for you. Newport Beach doesn't seem to really give a rat's butt. Neither does Elon Musk. Neither does the Barber and Salon Associations of America. They don't seem to care anymore either. They want to kill grandma too. But here's the question. What ideas is anyone actually coming up with? And what's the best idea? Let's talk about that and review a Vox article. Even liberals in California basically have had enough of all this garbage. So we are going to be opening up this, this state whether we like it or not. And if you don't like it, stay at home and collect your checks until you start running out of money. And there is nothing more heartwarming than politicizing the life of a singer that just died. Frickin' slate. All right, this is Gene, and you're listening to Dumbasses Talking Politics. Hey, hey! This is this must be like day 388 that we've been stuck inside the house, uh, going nuts like everybody else. But we're gonna get into that because this weekend, my girlfriend and I said we're my girlfriend of all people said I am. Not nuts enough to want to be here anymore. Let's or nuts enough that I need to leave. So we're going to talk about that in a little bit. But first things first. This came out yesterday, and I I was shot or day before yesterday. I think it was what day is it today? Today's Monday. See, I don't know the day because it runs the same. I think it was Saturday. This came out. Uh, according, this is all according to Fox News. Uh, it took three days, but I knew it was coming. Atlanta Mayor Keisha Lance Bottoms said. It's 2020, quote, it's 2020, and this is a, was a lynching of an African-American man. My heart goes out uh, to the family. With the rhetoric we hear coming out of the White House, many who have been prone to being racist are given permission to do it in an overt way we wouldn't see in 2020. Okay, so I... I Let's let's go back over the story. This is about Armand Arbery. This is a, a black kid who is running down uh, an Atlanta, Georgia town. Uh, apparently, he had walked through a construction zone while he was jogging. Again, I talked about this in the last podcast. He wasn't carrying a bag. So he didn't look like he was really shifting through anything. Okay, he was trespassing, but I mean, the reality is I run... Everyone who runs, runs through these places, and we always take a look. This is not illegal. It's not a closed-off property or anything like this. Uh, two white guys chase him in a truck with, I guess, another couple of white, another white guy in a truck, fo- in a car following him, or a truck following him, who's recording this on video. And, um, and uh, they shoot him. They, they confront him. They stop their truck in front of him. They shoot him. This happened back in February. He There is no investigation done. The police take it out as for face value. Case dropped. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, it turns out that 
the father in this, uh, Mac, uh, Matthews, I believe his name is. He was actually a former cop. And of course, law enforcement and all knows him. And there we go. So I told you this is going to end up being a disaster. People seem to be really united in this. And they are united in this. This is not a white black thing. I saw the video and I thought to myself, this could not be any worse a video than I've ever seen. This looks like. They compared it to Emmett Till. I won't go crazy. And Emmett Till, if you don't know, Emmett Till was murdered by two white guys and lynched. He was beaten and lynched in the 50s in the South for supposedly whistling at a white woman. Now, Emmett Till was also from New York, so he didn't understand the racism that was in the South at the time. And so the husband and the son beat the garbage out of him, then lynched him. And basically, Emmett Till started the civil rights movement in the 60s. It was a, a horrid, if you ever want to know the Emmett Till story, take a look at it. They have a before and after picture because his mother, he was not um, in the appearance to be in an open casket, and he was because mom wanted to show what actually happened to this poor guy. And so it was a, it's a very moving story. It's a very... This story, I, 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 I'm, I'm, I, I kind of see where some people are leading, but no, this is not the same story. This guy was killed by a couple of rednecks. Whether it was because he was black or not, we don't know yet. Um, as so far, some of the evidence that's leaking on the internet does not make it look like this was still any anywhere near justified shooting. So I think it's terrible. But I had told you that. Eventually, it's going to become a race thing that the news media, and they are already, the news media, I don't have a clip of it, but the news media is already making it uh, a race thing. And eventually, Trump will be blamed. And that's exactly what the Atlanta's mayor did, Keisha Lance Bottoms. She sat back and um, basically, the rhetoric we hear coming out of the White House, many who are prone to being racist are given permission to an open, to uh, uh, permission to do it in an overt way we wouldn't see in 2020. Okay, so let's take a look at some of these things. I'm not, some of the, yeah, I copied and pasted the statement, so I don't know, it's just kind of a weird statement. But here's a couple questions. How does rhetoric promote murder? This is a simpler question. And what the hell is a dog whistle? Rhetoric, dog whistles. What has Trump said that says we white people should go out and murder black people? I don't recall, and you'll never hear me see African-American unless I'm writing a research paper for a college that's going to be graded. But whatever, what rhetoric suddenly makes it that it's going to turn my switch and say I should go out and murder somebody? I'm pretty conservative. I'm not an alt-right or anything, but I am pretty conservative. <clears throat> I don't recall any rhetoric in my life that said go out and kill a black person. That's because there is no rhetoric that'll do it. Words do not set someone to kill someone unless they are really inflammatory. And I could think of a couple people 
who've had uh, inflammatory language. I don't know, Al Sharpton, maybe? Who started the riots? Who started several riots? Maybe Jesse Jackson? They seem to be pretty inflammatory, his words. Well, I don't know. I never have has anything that an alt-writer or any right-wing person has said that has turned me to suddenly say, let's go kill. Maybe, there, maybe I'm smarter than that, but I would bet 99.9% of white Americans are smart enough. Even, even us evil conservatives are smart enough not to get turned on by a couple of words. But that's not really the big question. The question is, what exactly is the rhetoric Trump used that could have said it's okay to go murder anyone or even not to like black people? What rhetoric did Trump actually use? The one thing the, the left always points out is the Charleston thing. We already know. This is three years now. We already know Trump did not say what the media said he said in the Charleston speech. He did not say that there were good people on both sides and he was referring to the alt-right Nazi bastards that, that killed that woman. That's not what he said. And if you play his snippet more than 25, more than 10 seconds long, he says that. It was a lie. So outside of the Charleston thing, which the media lied about, and it's on the internet. It's not something you can hide. I love the digital age. You can't hide words in the digital age. Outside of that, what exactly did he say? That is rhetoric for, I don't like black people. I hate black people. You should kill black people. And I don't know about these dog whistles. 99.9% .9 of white America is not hearing these dog whistles. Or maybe... No, I'm sorry. 99.9% .9 of the uh, middling to right do not hear these dog whistles. What? Why is it only liberals hear dog whistles? Because here's the thing. I'm going to grandma's house could be made into a dog whistle. As stupid as that sounds, we can make a dog whistle into any language, any speech. It's stupid. Trump hasn't said anything. Trump has never supported, and Donald Trump's been in the public eye for decades. He doesn't suddenly become president and then become a racist. He is not on television if he's a racist. Not going to happen. Of course, he's not a racist. He's a conservative, which to the left is racist. But hey, here we go. We got more. Reverend James Woodall, he's the state president of the NAACP decided to add his own deal here. Quote, the modern day lynching of Mr. Arbery is yet another reminder of the vile and wicked racism that persists in our parts of our country. The slothfulness and inaction of the judicial system in this case is a gross testament to the blatant white racial privileges that permeates throughout our country and our institutions. So, I... This, I don't even want to spend a lot of time on this because I'm already 10 minutes in and I've got some great stories here. Um, basically, we're all racist still. I guess that civil war thing, the civil rights thing. Hey, we've made mistakes in this country. There was racism against anybody who wasn't white. And by the way, Protestant, white, 
Anglo-Saxon Protestant white. If you were Catholic, you were not... Hey, we didn't have a, our first Catholic until uh, 1960 with frickin' um, Kennedy in presidency. So to sit back and think that it's all whites, it's not. And there's no white privilege. Look at where I'm living. There's no white privilege. I, I still don't believe this. But this is the crap that's going to cause problems. And it's going to cause problems in Georgia. And I guarantee you that Bottoms, the, the Atlanta mayor, she's going to support all these problems. She's going to love them. And she's going to say, let them go. Let them, let them riot. Because that's what's going to happen now. There are going to be riots. It's coming within a week. I, I almost... Pro I don't want to guarantee it because then I'm going to be wrong, but I am pretty sure we're going to see riots, definitely going to see protests, and in those protests, we're going to see riots, and as this COVID-19 dies down and the BLB, uh, Black Lives Matter folk come out of their parents' basements, they're going to sit back and start protesting and start throwing rocks, and we're going to have things. This is the inflammatory, this is the rhetoric that is dangerous. Unless you can point to some rhetoric Trump has said that says, go kill a black person. Something that even sounds like, go kill a black person. This is the rhetoric that causes problems. Because Trump has not used any rhetoric. And contrary to popular belief, I'm not a dog, so I'm not hearing those dog whistles. So there's an article on Vox.com uh, called The Four Reasons to Keep Ourselves... Uh, self-quarantined. And it basically says that, you know, epidemiologists, those are people who study epidemics, are convinced that this is going to grow and we're still going to have problems once we decide to leave home. And therefore, we shouldn't leave home, probably till November 4th after the election, is my guess. Okay. So Vox comes up that there are four main reasons we should not leave quarantine. We should actually stay at home, not go back to work, starve, um, have our kids drive us nuts, uh, start drinking heavily, start using drugs heavily and OD, and we should beat our wives and things like that. So there are four reasons we should stay at home and, and continue to do all this stuff. Which, by the way, that's not an exaggeration. That stuff is happening. ODs have gone up, alcoholism has gone up, suicide attempts have gone up, domestic violence has gone up, all since we've all been quarantined. And if you've got a couple of kids, you can love those kids, but those kids sitting and buzzing by your ear 24-7 enough, was enough to drive anyone nuts. So here are the four reasons we should not. So the first one, nationally, the outbreak has either peaked or plateaued. But there is a lot of infe infection still out there. Yeah, that, that is absolutely correct. There is a lot of infection still out there. And here's a newsflash. There's always going to be a lot of infection out there. There are also going to be a lot of car accidents out there. There's going to be a lot of uh, plane crashes out there. There's going to be a lot of hit by cars out there. There's going to be a lot of things out there that we cannot control. We could die... In any myriad, if you've never seen, uh, what's that movie called? A oh, great movie. Um, I can't remember. I'll have to mention it later. It's a great movie series. But 
it's the different ways people end up dying. Just the dumbest ways. If death wants you, death is going to get you one way or the other. Okay, death's plan is what they talk about. Can't remember what the movie's called. I love that movie too. Uh, I'm going to remember it in the middle of my speech here, or I'm going to remember it in the next thing. But but the reality is, yeah, there the outbreak's going to be out there. And here's something other. Here's something really wild and crazy. There's no guarantee that we're going to have a vaccine. None. Yes, I know they're testing vaccines. One they're looking at being in September. But let's remember the coronavirus or the Chinese virus, which is a coronavirus, is a common virus with the flu. And the flu shot that I'm forced to get every every year is only 40% effective. I didn't know that. I had to, I had to look that up. Flu shots are only 40% effective. And according to some researchers, uh, the coronavirus, very slow to mutate, but other researchers said it's already mutated in China. So they could have a coronavirus vaccine in September, but then if the other strain comes to the United States, it's back again. Listen, no one is kidding. No one is saying that we're not going to have a spike in cases. We're going to have a spike in cases. We're going to leave the house. We're going to have a spike in cases. This is something we have to accept. This is something that the media does not allow you to say, because if you do say that, oh, so you don't love your grandma, you want her to die, blah, blah, blah. That's what they're saying. They are literally saying that on the news. Well, no, I don't want grandma to die, but maybe I just go, don't go visit grandma while I'm out there. And by the way, grandma and grandpa, well, grandma and grandpa are dead already, but mom and dad, they want to see me and they really don't care. I won't do that. But the fact is, life needs to move on eventually, and it just doesn't seem like anyone is interested in moving life on. Okay, but I digress. Let's go to the next next reason. While the toll of the pandemic has been immense, there has been more than 76,000 recorded deaths in the United States as of May 8th. I believe since this article, it's now up to 79. The vast majority of the population still has not been infected, has no immunity, and is fully susceptible. Be careful with this one. The testing is iffy here. We don't necessarily know whether or not the tests work. The last report I heard, which was today, Monday, was the latest, quickest test that could get us 50,000 tests a day is only 85% accurate, which means 15 out of 100 people are infected and they don't know about it because the test came up negative. So here's the thing. Immunity is something that is developed in two ways. One, it's developed by a vaccine, if the vaccine works. And the second is through herd immunity, and all a vaccine is is to speed up her, herd immunity through herd immunity where we catch it. Most of us make it fine. Most of us don't. A lot, of, Some of us don't because we've got other conditions. But if we actually look at the, if we actually look at the numbers so far, the numbers are not showing that it's as bad as, I mean, 20% of people who get it are going to die. That, that's not happening. 
it's still high. I think it's in the United States, it's three and a half percent. I'd have to do the math. And our testing isn't great on it because we're trying to develop the testing. But the reality is we the best way to deal with these kinds of viruses is to go out there, catch it, develop the antibody, and then hope that if we catch it again, the antibodies deal with it and we can live with it. We can't stay hidden for two years until a virus is found. It's not going to happen. Number three, the virus is fundamental, very contagious, sneaky, and deadly. That's as true as ever. Um, yes and no. Yeah, it's more contagious than the flu. Yes, it's deadlier than the flu. Is it sneaky? Um, it's sneaky because we don't really have a test yet. I mean, you got to remember, China's tests were 50% accurate. China did not have a test either. Europe never had a test. United States has a test, has a couple tests, and it's still considered 85% accurate. We, we, we don't have accurate tests. So the sneaky portion, we can't really see. Um, and for all I know, I've had it. I told you I was sick for a month in December. My boss, my boss's boss was sick for a month in January. My girlfriend was sick for three weeks in January. How do we know they didn't have it at that time? And we we're immune. So that's kind of tricky. And that's it's as true as ever statement. Whenever someone uses extremes, I said this a po- couple podcasts ago, question it right off the bat. Uh, true as ever, what does that mean? That means they're trying to convince you. In other words, it may not be true as ever. We don't really know. And the reality is we don't really know. We, we have no idea what this virus is like. Anyone who tells you different is filling you full of garbage. It's not true. And number four, the U.S. has wasted uh, wasted lockdown time. It needs more testing, more contact tracing, targeted isolation of infected people, and quarantining of their contacts. It also needs more research and social distancing to know what relaxed measures are safe. I love this one because it is so stupid. First off, the testing thing is not a thing. It's to control the population. I agree with some of this stuff. I agree that we should lock down people who test positive when we find them. There are 350 million people in this country. You're not going to find everyone who has COVID-19. So to sit back and say, well, we got to keep the place closed until we have this testing program that's going to test all 350 million people multiple times because I could have it and test negative is just stupid. It's not going to happen. Social distancing has beginning to prove that it's not working because the people who are catching it are catching it while they're indoors with someone who has it. I do not even wear a mask anymore when I walk out of the house. So this is just not really a thing. But in this article, and what I just read to you were the highlights of this article, there's something else. Here's the big question that Vox never answered. If everyone else's idea is so bad, what is your idea? This is a major thing with the left. And Vox is a leftist, is a as leftist news organization as it gets. 
Don't point out the problems, but bring some solutions. Tell us something. Anyone can just regurgitate problems. Regurgitating the problem doesn't mean the problem's not going to go away. The fact is, there is a risk factor here that we have to take. Me leaving means I could risk going out, but staying means I could risk being an alcoholic, I could risk being a drug addict, I can risk beating somebody, I can risk um, suicide. There are a lot of things I risk by staying at home and being miserable all the time. So you tell me, what's the risk, risk factor? This is what the left doesn't want to talk about. If you decide it's because you want people to die, no one wants anyone to die. It has nothing to do with that. It has to do with, okay, we got to somehow open up the, I don't mean open it up willy-nilly. Everything opens up. I'm getting a tattoo without a mask by a guy who's got sores on his mouth. I'm telling you, we need to open up. I'm not even talking about opening up gyms, though I'm dying for my gym to open up. I'm talking, we just need something to figure this stuff out. We need the debate. And the left doesn't want to debate it because the second you say, we need to kind of reopen the economy, the left sits there and says, you want to kill people. Oh, that's such a, it's such a weak argument. And this is the other thing. Never come in and just regurgitate problems. Sit back and come with a solution. Because if you're regurgitating problems and you don't like my solution because... Problems may exist. Yeah, there is risk. You know what will stop traffic deaths on the freeways? Have everyone drive five, six miles an hour. By the way, Ben Shapiro came up with that, and he's right. But there is a <laughs> there is a level of risk that we can take that says the level of risk at dive, driving 65 is worth the inconvenience for those. Those who are going to suffer driving 65 or over, or between 55 and 65, those are the ones that are going to have a risk, and they shouldn't be driving on the freeway. We risk all the time. The Trump economy was killing the left. And this is the problem. The motives of the left really have to be in question. And I've said this more than once. It's also killing their chances at winning the election on November 3rd. Keeping the economy closed will ruin the economy, and they can then blame Trump for the economy being screwed up. This can backfire. It, it could be that the Trump economy, once we people go out into the real world and the economy begins to build quick, quickly, or quicker than projected, I don't think it'll be quick, quickly, I think it would be quickly. I don't think it would be quick. Uh, it looks like, well, the Trump's economic policies have worked during the worst pandemic in the world. In human history. It could backfire on him. The left wants to expand government. They hope that the temporary changes, and I put temporary in air quotes, can become permanent. That is that thing with the universal basic income. They want people to get $1,200 per month plus $500 per kid, and they want that to be permanent. Josie and I have talked about that, where people are actually earning more by not working than they are by working. 
she found out that her daughters, her daughter and her stepson, or her son-in-law, were earning more money than she was, and they were both sitting on couches all day. Huh. Yeah, well, that's the thing. And that those temporary changes that become permanent, they become a, the new system that the left wants. The Green New Deal, Medicare for All, free college, free rent. Just to name a few of the changes, and those words are coming out. Listen to Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who seems to be hiding a little bit. And she's hiding for a reason. She's hiding for a reason because she's a freaking idiot. We need to discuss this. <clears throat> the left wants to replace capitalism, which they see as the cause of this mess, which is why they keep saying, oh, we're worse than Italy. No, we're not. We're not even close to Italy. If you look at the statistics, and I have the website, uh, I have the uh, statistics on my website at www.dumbassestalkingpolitics, you can actually look to see the United States is ninth on fatalities per 1 million people. That's pretty darn good. We're ninth. And everyone says, no, we have more than Italy. We have more people than Italy. Italy has 50 million. California has 50 million. The United States has 350 million people. If you're going to make the comparison, do the whole European Union versus the United States, because that's what we are comparable to. It's really stupid. I think attacks, articles like this are irresponsible, worthless, and dangerous. Irresponsible because you're basically lying to the people. You're manipulating the statistics to make them work. Worthless because the statistics are worthless. Why are we even discussing this? It doesn't work this way. And dangerous because some people actually believe that the best way to deal with this is to close the economy and keep it closed until we find this miracle cure that may never come. Now, I've said earlier uh, in a bunch of podcasts, I thought Gavin Newsom was doing okay. I, I don't think he's doing great by any stretch of the imagination. I think he's doing okay. But here's, here's, I seem to be in a minority, especially in Orange County. Josie and I went to Newport Beach this weekend. We got sick and tired of being at home. And it was awesome. Uh, we had a great conversation. We live in San Diego, North County, San Diego. And we drove an hour to Newport Beach. It was phenomenal. We were actually excited. Um, there was absolutely no traffic, which is unheard of on the 5 and 405 over a weekend. No one was on it. We were as free as bees and trees. We could do whatever we wanted. It was fantastic. I bet we, I did not even see a highway patrolman. I think we could have done donuts on the middle of the five and no one would have said anything. It was, would have been great. Now, we couldn't find parking. But you know something? This was okay. When we got to Newport Beach, we couldn't find any parking. And that was okay. Newport Beach had closed off all the parking spaces. Public parking spaces around the beach. The beaches were, according to the people we talked to, the beaches were closed. Beaches were not open. They were closed. But they decided, well, the best way to close the beach was shut down the parking. They shut down a lot of the parking, public parking, the free parking. And you know something? This would normally be a fight. 
with my girlfriend and I, with Josie and I. We would actually fight about this. Park there. Just wait. Just go. Blah, blah, blah. We'd go back. We were laughing our butts off because you know what? It didn't matter. If we didn't find parking, if we couldn't get out of the car, we were going to drive around the parking lot a couple times and then we were just going to go home. It was good to go. We were fine with it. And uh, Dave, the author of The Dave Rule, I sent him pictures. Nobody, nobody wore a mask. There were a ton of people. They were not on top of each other. They were distancing themselves. No one. Josie and I ate there. Nobody was near us the entire time, but the place was packed. But no one wore a mask outside. Nobody. People wore masks when they went into the businesses, but no one wore a mask outside. As a matter of fact, some guys started lecturing us about how stupid the masks were. If we were going to catch it, we were going to catch it. Nothing could stop it. The cops were everywhere. They were driving along the beach. They were driving along the boardwalk. They were driving along the parking areas. They were making announcements, stuff like that, but they didn't do a thing. They didn't get out of the car. They didn't harass people. They didn't do a thing. They just basically, okay, you can't park here. You heard the guy in the lives. Okay, drive. You can't just stop because people were stopping waiting for parking. We did get a... Um, we were able to find paid parking. That's what we ended up doing. It was eight bucks for two hours. It was the best eight bucks I've ever spent. So it was good to go. Every store was opened and every restaurant was opened. There was no seating in any of the restaurants per the rules. And that kind of makes sense. But everything was open. Of course, this is California. So we saw the bizarre things. We saw a guy taking a dump in a bag at a bus stop, wiping his butt with his hand, then dumping the bag into a trash can. There was also a ton of homeless people. There was a guy passed out in a wheelchair on the boardwalk. And it was kind of a surprise because this is a rather rich area. This is this is a really rich area. So that was kind of surprising. But outside of that, people were having a good time. But here's the thing, Newport Beach, Orange County in general, which makes you wonder why everyone in the government in Orange County is a Democrat. I don't understand that. A lot of people are conservatives and they want to open up. They want to open up the city. They want the businesses to open up. They want this stuff to end, especially since it's getting to be mid 80s to 90s. It's going to be time to they're going to have to do something with it. But it isn't just Newport Beach that's flipping out, or even Orange County. According to the Daily Wire, the Professional Beauty Federation of California will file a lawsuit against government, Governor Gavin Newsom in an effort to speed up the reopening timeline for barbershops and salons. Uh, they have... Barbershops and salons have been categorized in the same way that gyms and movie theaters have been. This has not been something that has been very popular because, one, barbershops and salons are things that people want, whereas gyms and and barbershops and salons actually do have um, sanitary guidelines they have to follow. So no one's really sure why they're in the same way as, let's say, a movie theater or a gym. 
a gym and a movie theater do, are do not require anyone to clean. They have good gyms have people cleaning, but it's kind of slip shot. Quote, this is from uh, one of the guys. Quote, the PBFC has decided to sue Governor Newsom to force him to reopen salons much sooner than his vowed months, not weeks, timeline. Uh, news, um, this, uh, that's a pretty vicious statement because yeah, salons are going to, salons and barbershops are going to have to open up in weeks, not months. People are dying here. People are losing money. It's not that I want to get a haircut at a barbershop is that barber needs to be able to make a buck. And if I have what he, if I have need what his skills then I should be able to use it. It's disgusting. Newsom said, uh, we're trying to do everything we can to accommodate the needs of every industry, including the nail salon industry, to make sure we do it in a safe and responsible way. Now, the reason he mentions the nail salon industry is because nail salons are typically a little bit less. You're actually poking in skin there. So it's a little less... Um, clean than a lot of others industries. I mean, it doesn't mention anything about a salon. Salons do hair too, and I don't think that's going to spread coronavirus, but maybe it will. According to the Daily Beast, the Federation has already made up its mind about challenging the governor and plans to file the lawsuit Monday. I did not hear if they did. Um, uh, they were quoted as saying, we are 100% behind the lockdown. This is the Daily Beast, a far left a news publication, so that we do not overwhelm our hospitals, which, by the way, we've never overwhelmed any hospitals. New York did not overwhelm their hospitals. <coughs> Trump sent them about 30,000 extra beds that didn't need, about 10,000 respirators or um, respirators they didn't need. So the hospital system has not been overwhelmed. But the Daily Beast, is still living on this thing. However, after two months of lockdown, in which Governor Newsom's own admission, we have succeeded, we have checked the mark, we have flattened the curve. So that's a good that's a good thing. At least they're admitting, okay, now maybe we need a plan. This is the Daily Beast admitting, maybe we need a plan. The problem with democratic states, and California is not one of those democratic, because I believe Newsom wants to open the economy, because he's getting killed. The deficit in California has skyrocketed. I guess when you give money to people who have never paid a dime in taxes, yeah, you're going to be spending more than you're taking in. So that's pretty interesting. Oh, I forgot this quote. Quote, this is also from the Daily Beast. A lot of our stylists are on the brink of starvation in order to make their leases and make ends meet. This is from the Daily Beast, and this tells you it is really time to move on. We need to find a plan to bring people back. CNN has also released an article. Uh, Tesla followed, uh, uh, filed a lawsuit on Monday suing Alameda County, California, after local officials refused to allow him to open his company in Fremont. Elon Musk first tweeted, frankly, quote, frankly, this is the final straw. 
Tesla will now move its HQ and future programs to Texas slash Nevada immediately. Now, I want to I want to point something out. Elon Musk is no conservative. He is actually quite liberal. And he's had enough of it. He's had enough of his people starving. He's had enough of dumping money into something that's giving nothing. It's time to move on. And this is what these folks don't understand. Well, the Alameda Health Department did respond on CNN on Saturday. Quote, This has been a collaborative, good-faith effort to develop and implement a safety plan that allows for reporting while protecting the health and well-being of thousands of employees who travel to and from work at Tesla's factory. The team at Tesla has been responsive to our guidance and recommendations, and we look forward to coming to an agreement on the appropriate safety plan very soon. Who do you trust? Who do you trust? Do you trust Elon Musk, who has built something, or Gavin Newsom and some bureaucrat that have done nothing but take money? And why, if Elon Musk says it's going to be fine, it's going to be fine. And why does Elon Musk need to bend the knee to these people, these people who don't know any more than anybody else, and they don't seem to have a plan? Well, Elon Musk quoted, um, Tesla is filing lawsuit against Alameda County immediately, The unele- and it has been filed. The unelected and ignorant interim health officer, there you go, of Alameda is acting contrary to governor, the president, our constitutional freedoms, and just plain common sense. Frankly, this is the final straw. Tesla will now move the headquarters and future programs to Texas and Nevada immediately. If we even retain Fremont manufacturing activity at all, it will be dependent on how, he spelled dependent wrong, it will be dependent on how Tesla is treated in the future. Tesla is the last car maker left in California. God bless you, Elon Musk, and I don't even like him. Republican Ted Cruz uh, tweeted on Saturday, Come to Texas. We would welcome Tesla headquarters in Texas. We love jobs, and Texans very much want to open up and get back to work while still staying safe and following sound science. We make lots of cars and trucks in Texas, and we love more. California is falling apart. Um, I've been wanting to move out of California for a very long time. They have no answers. They're trying to create a social estate. They have. I mean, this was the same week that Gavin Newsom thought it was important to say, I'm mailing ballots, California ballots. We're going to have to talk about that, by the way. Mail-in ballots that the Democrats want so much. You've got to ask yourself, if one side wants something so bad and the other side doesn't want it, you've got to question why. Well, he was more worried about mail-in ballots this week than he was worried about Tesla saying, screw you, we're moving out of Fremont, we're moving probably out of El Segundo because they've got a factory there or they've got a development center there. They'll be out. That's a ton of taxes to lose simply because you cannot come up with a good, solid plan and allow people to continue their lives. In the latest news, in the latest news, Tesla has opened their factory today and Elon Musk 
has said, they can come, don't arrest my employees, you arrest me. We are opening and nothing short of the police walking in and shutting it down will stop them. Don't arrest the employees, arrest me. He opened it. Awesome. I gotta say, Elon Musk is a hero. So one of the things I, I need to learn here is how to break up this podcast. And since I'm stuck at home more often, I think I'm gonna do this podcast more often. But I need gonna I've got to shorten it up a little bit. It is really long. And one of the things I liked about the Dave rule is a half hour. This is a good podcast, quality podcast, quick podcast. So I was actually to cut out the last story. I just can't because it is just too freaking funny. So first off, I want to um, offer rest in peace to um, Richard Wayne Penniman, better known as Little Richard. He died on uh, the 9th. And I like Little Richard. I'm a huge blues guy. And there was a... T- and I, I just thought he was a great musician. Has nothing to him... Nothing to do... Just a great musician. That's all I thought. I would listen to Little Richard pounding on those ivories on his piano and think, just God, what a... I love listening to him. As a matter of fact... When I was talking about uh, writing this, I started playing a couple of songs, and Josie didn't know who Little Richard was. Josie's a little younger than I am, but, well, Little Richard was way before me, but when she heard the song, she was like, oh, this was great. But, of course, there is nothing like the left just jacking something up. And I thought this article was so freaking stupid. This article is from Slate, and it's it by Tom Sock- Skaka? Skoka? I don't know. Entitled, Little Richard's Music Was Dangerous, But So Is Freedom. So right off the bat, I thought this would be a great article to go go through. Uh, it's gonna. This is going to be an hour long. I'm going to have to do one. I'm going to have to write again tonight and do another podcast tomorrow because I, I missed some of the great stories of today. But... In this, he says, quote, contemporary pop charts are extremely queer and extremely closeted to a degree that's probably impossible to convey to anyone who grew up on the, tw- uh, on the 21st century. Such a degree that even if you were personally oriented towards heterosexuality or cis identity, it was probably to shake the sense that everything the popular culture was saying about meaning and desire was confounding BS, he said the actual words, meant to conceal. The story rock and roll tells and retells about itself is corny, self-important tones, is about liberation and rebellion. But by the time I was out of middle school, the story was being told of Kenny Loggins or the retro counter-appropriationist guitarist freakout of the time traveling Michael J. Fox, Michael J. Fox. The youth culture has grown up to inflict Reaganism and hair metal on the people behind them. The most dangerous thing would have been not to have heard Little Little Richard. What an idiot. I it's just okay, Little Richard, it's stupid not to listen to Little Richard because a lot of those heavy metal bands he's talking about and Kenny Loggins and Michael J. Fox were influenced by Little Richard because of his blues and his stylings. 
especially Kenny Loggins. Jimi Hendrix influenced Michael J. Fox in Back to the Future. That's who he's talking about. And and the reality is Jimi Hendrix was influenced by Little Richard. So it's it's stupid to listen not listen to uh, Little Richard not because he's bisexual. He's not gay. He's bisexual, but because if you really want to learn the art of the root uh, art the root of the art form, you got to listen to him. Just like people who love blues, like I love blues, need to listen to to 1920s Robert Johnson, who was a famous blues guy. So, I mean, if you just like the music, you like the music. And by the way, here's something. I listen to Little Richard not because Little Richard is the root of blues or that he's a rebel in some way this dumbass is talking about. It's because he's just got really good music. So I continue, quote, Little Richard had already heard and lived the contradictions everyone was busily trying to ignore. He was joyously black under white tyranny, that's true, flamboyantly queer under straight uh, straight tyranny. He was actually married and then came out as bisexual. What difference does that make? I don't know. Deeply God-troubled under the tyranny of secular commercial fame. In other words, oh, you you got to destroy God here, too. Continue. It all came clattering and swaggering back out in a fury of deli- fury and delight in well under three minutes, if not two. It seemed self-evident, but nothing ever was. I dubbed the LP into, ca- into a cassette and tried popping it into a tape deck in a car full of other guys, and it got replaced with you two in a very short order. Okay, that's not racism, or sexism, homophobia, or anything else. If this guy is listening to Little Richard in the 80s, which is when YouTube was big, guess what? A lot of people would rather listen to YouTube. That's what kids do. They don't, hey, I got news for you. I I listen to my girlfriend's kids' music. I listen to my kids' music. And (laughs) it's not what I'd listen to. If I popped in Led Zeppelin, which is my favorite band, or Pink Floyd, which is another one of my favorite bands, guess what they're going to do? Flip it and put on P. Diddy or whoever the hell they listen to. I mean, wow. I I just thought Little Richard was a great singer. And he showed a great performer. He showed a lot of passion on stage. And he looked like he actually loved what he was doing. And he did struggle through tyranny and oppression of blacks. He did. And he still whites loved him. He probably had all the racist stuff, but he didn't care because that wasn't the point. And, you know, here's the other thing. I didn't know if Little Richard was gay or not. And it turns out he is bisexual. But who cares? Why does everything have to be made into a political statement? Why does his sexuality have to have anything to do with it? Why are you talking about some of his songs? Tutti Frutti, for example, which was a really risque song. Hey, Led Zeppelin released the Lemon Song. Extremely risque song. The Lemon Song was based off of a song by Robert Johnson, which almost had the same words. A very risky song, and that was in the 30s. Why does everything have to be made into a civil rights Dred Scott 
BS thing that we can't move on. We've moved on. We now listen to Little Little Richard because Little Richard just freaking rocks ass. That's it. And he's always going to. He will be in the pantheons of music history. Okay, well, we got through it. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at RunninFool, R-U-N-N-I-N-F-E-W-L. You can download or listen to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Podcast Addict, and YouTube. Uh, if you want to take a look at some of the uh, some of the videos, the text, the uh, show notes, the links that I have, you can go to www.dumbassestalkingpolitics.com. Uh, let's listen to Richard Wayne Penman, born December 5th, 1932, died May 9th, 2020, better known as Little Richard, an American singer, songwriter, musician, and one of the most influential musicians in today's rock. Let's listen to Good Golly Miss Molly. This is Gene, and you've listened to Dumbasses Talking Politics. Don't